0: Hello, this is Leela Vis, and welcome to Key Ideas. Piano teaching doesn't come bundled with ready made solutions. This podcast highlights some brilliant options for innovative piano teachers just like you. Episode number two is a flashbulb episode called Making Connections. We got free tickets to a pandemic roller coaster, and the ride hasn't stopped. There are no breaks. We can't get off until a vaccine shows up and it feels like things are out of control. I've never been a fan of accepting bad things, but I've come to terms with deciding to live with the bad and control what I can. So this is the second in a series of episodes focusing on things we can control in our studios. In the first episode, I talked about how we can control where we teach. In this episode, I focus on how we can control what happens in a lesson. And you may be wondering, what's a flashbulb episode? I'll tell you right after this. Hi, this is Renee. I'm a piano teacher in Atlanta and a friend of Leela. Throughout this episode, Leela mentions Tanara. It's a platform for teachers to manage lesson assignments, track students' practice, and connect with students using texts, audio, and video recordings. Learn more about all of the features of Tanara with a free trial by clicking on the link in the show notes at leelavis.com slash key ideas. Now, back to Leela. A flashbulb episode is one that dives deep into a hot topic in 20 minutes or less. I'm glad you're here and recognize that your time is precious, so let's jump in and make connections. Few adults have the privilege of spending one-on-one time with students or hang with them in small groups like us piano teachers. Now, more than ever before because of this pandemic season, we need to take advantage of our golden opportunity to establish a relationship with our students when they walk in the door or hop online. For some of us, that can be pretty easy as we like to shoot the breeze. For others, it may feel a little awkward, and even more so, when a student is quiet or shy. David Stewart is a high school English teacher and provides professional development courses for school teachers. Stewart has established clear protocols for what he calls Moments of Genuine Connection, or MGCs. He claims these moments only need to be around three minutes or less. They must be genuine. You have to mean what you say. The connection happens when you show that you value and respect your students. You can do this by engaging conversation around specific things that you notice or know about them. If you know the family owns a pet, that's always a safe topic to bring up. Our attempts at MGCs may feel awkward, so give yourself credit for trying and don't give up. In a recent Cult of Pedagogy podcast, David Stewart said this, We can't control the emotions of a child. We can just try to influence them in a direction that's going to help them and us. In line with this way of thinking, I came up with a checklist for my students, I like to call them pianists, to send a few days before lessons begin. The list includes signing into the Tanara app on a mobile device where they access assignments and track their practice, gathering all their books and placing them in their piano bag, and some other tasks. Also on the list is my request for pianists to text me a photo of a favorite summer memory via the Tenara chat and improvise or write a small piece about how that memory made them feel. It's a request that makes me cringe a little because it's a blank canvas assignment. There's no boundaries or guidelines which can intimidate pianists and make it harder to complete. There's just too many black and white keys. It may overwhelm some while others may jump on it. More on that topic in another episode. But I decided to try it and see what comes of it. Even if a pianist is puzzled on what to create at the keys, the picture, the photograph, will give us plenty to chat about and can be a moment of genuine connection. Once we get comfortable with MGCs, this forms a foundation of trust and then we can move on in our lessons. But before we jump in with the lesson, we really need to begin with the end. Our intentions must ensure that pianists walk out the door empowered with confidence to complete the assignments we're about to give them. This really comes down to time management. We need to pace our lessons so that we get to everything we want pianists to accomplish. If you're like me, it seems that seconds last half as long in a lesson. (laughs) So perhaps the best thing we can do for ourselves, and I'm preaching to myself here as I like to pile on assignments, is to limit our goals for each lesson and limit the length of our assignments. A study showed that kids are 70% more likely to eat an apple if it is sliced and placed in a plastic bag. It's because they're easier to eat that way. According to James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, one of the laws of establishing new habits is that it must appear easy. If assignments are too big to bite off in a week, students will avoid them. There's a name for that behavior. It's called approach avoidance. I believe we all suffer from this condition when things tend to overwhelm. It's similar to how we feel when the whole house needs to be cleaned and we don't know where to start, so we head to the snack drawer instead. We need to provide weekly assignments with clear expectations and set pianists up for relative success before the next lesson. Here are some tips on how to do this. And by the way, I see each tip turning into its own episode, there's so many nuggets to discuss. Back to the tips, and for the sake of explaining things, I'll be the teacher and let's call the pianist Drew, named after my cool friend and podcast producer. First, I must give Drew clear lesson notes with specific goals. The shorter and more precise, the better. I use HT for hands together and HA for hands alone, and I make sure Drew memorizes all my shorthand lingo. After we discuss an assignment and he demonstrates understanding, Drew dictates to me how he's going to practice his pieces while I type his instructions into Tanara. To avoid overwhelm that can lead to approach avoidance, I slice up repertoire into pieces, apple pun intended, and set clear boundaries for what is to be practiced by using sticky tabs that show how far to practice. I call these stop signs. Together, Drew and I set reasonable goals for each assignment that he can reach before the next lesson. Now, if Drew is a beginner, it may be that he thinks he can master the first two lines of a piece, and so I'll put a stop sign there. Or, if he has more experience, he may decide he can learn the exposition of a sonatina. Quite often, we base what to accomplish on what the upcoming week looks like. Sometimes Drew is busy and already knows practice time may be limited. If we set goals that can be achieved, even if they are small, it provides Drew with a sense of progress, of moving forward. To be clear, these goals are all based on what we covered in Drew's lesson and also based on his experience as a practicer. Executive function is the set of cognitive processes that give students the ability to self-manage and self-regulate. As adults, we may have the ability to easily complete normal daily tasks and be unaware that our students may struggle with them. When I first got to know Drew, I took note of how he deals with the process of digging into his book bag for the correct book, and how he finds the correct page. It was amazing how long it took. It seemed like half the lesson. To assist him with these tasks, I mark the pages with a tab in his book so he can find the page as fast as possible and when he leaves, I place all the books he needs right in the front of his bag. Once Drew finds the page, I may use those sticky note arrows to remind him of the tricky parts we discussed in his lesson. Drew knows the arrows stand for the code SP3X. His mission? Whatever measure the arrow points to, Drew must use special practice three times on that spot before he plays the entire section or piece. Science has shown that using concrete examples or tools can cement understanding and make connections. Like SP3X, Drew and I practice practice strategies in his lesson and name them so he can remember to use them at home. One of my favorites is called link and chain practice. Once a small section is selected, Drew puts blinders or small sticky notes on either side of a measure to isolate it. He plays just that measure, and if it's correct, he earns a paperclip and moves the sticky note to uncover the next measure. Then he plays that measure and if it's correct, he earns another clip. Then he must play both of the measures together, and if Drew plays both correctly, he earns the right to link the two paper clips together. This practice strategy can be done with a barrel of monkeys or Legos or anything that connects. Speaking of connections, perhaps one of the most important things that you can do to make your lessons and student practice productive from week to week is to connect the dots between each of the tasks you give your pianist to practice. For example, if you want to integrate creativity into a lesson, it doesn't need to be an isolated or complicated activity. And unlike the blank canvas that I mentioned earlier, a safer way to spark creativity is to ask Drew to choose his favorite piece and then change it. For example, I may challenge him to change one element, like play the right hand an octave higher, or switch a major chord to a minor chord. Then I'll ask Drew if he can think of an idea himself. If he's stumped, I ask Drew to spin a wheel that I created in the Decide Now app that gives him all kinds of ideas of what to change. And then there's the topic of technique. I found that when I isolate technical drills for Drew to practice at home, they may get his attention for only one or two days of practice. But when I tie a technical drill with another task, like playing in time with a metronome, or playing a scale with the app iReal Pro, Drew is much more interested in keeping the flow and accuracy with the beat. I call this challenge grooving your theory. This mindset of mixing technique with a steady beat or a backing track comes from my time with good friend and 88 Creative Keys co-founder, Bradley Sowash. There's nothing like a theme to keep lessons organized, and it will also help you streamline assignments. This fall, my theme is called Make It Count, and is designed around rhythm. My plans for on and off bench assignments are from my newly updated resource called Rhythm Make It Count at leelavis.com. The goal behind this theme is, of course, to build strong rhythm readers, and it also helps me develop common threads between assignments. For example, if I open a lesson with an engaging activity about dotted quarter notes, I make sure that whenever Drew and I encounter dotted quarter notes in his music, I ask questions on what he knows and remembers about them. And if we run into a staccato quarter note, I ask him how it's different from a dotted quarter note. Wow, these flashbulb episodes go lightning fast, and I haven't even gotten to one of the most important elements of making connections in a lesson. And that is something called voice and choice. If I want Drew to enjoy his lessons and to look forward to the next lesson, I must let Drew think he's in charge. Even though I may have an agenda, I let Drew choose repertoire by letting him hear a number of pieces that I've pre-selected, and then let him choose his favorite. I ask Drew to self-diagnose and determine what practice strategy to use on a section, like link and chain or SP3X practice. At the beginning of a lesson, I ask Drew what he would like to play for me first. Most likely, he'll choose the piece that he's the most comfortable with. Instead of demanding to hear a piece that might not have been practiced and putting Drew in the hot seat, allowing him to choose is a kinder, gentler way to enter a lesson. This voice and choice mentality builds camaraderie. It gives Drew a sense that he and I are in this together. My level of success with Drew is based on Drew's investment in his learning. Once he takes ownership and we build a sense of connection, my job as a teacher becomes easier and more fun and productive. To some extent, we can control what happens in a lesson, especially how we start lessons and by making sure we begin with the end in mind. In the end, we can't control the student. We can reach out with genuine care for them as human beings and guide them to become invested in making music for a lifetime. I leave you with a quote by Jess Lair. Children are not things to be molded, but people to be unfolded. And now here's a slightly modified version for us piano teachers. Students are not things to be molded, but musicians to be unfolded. Keep in mind, this episode was about making connections and not making lesson plans. I'm saving that topic for another day. If you want to get a sneak peek at how I approach lesson plans, head to the show notes at leelaviscom slash key ideas to find a link to my piano teacher's planning kit, which I just updated with fresh links. And if you already own the digital download, the notes include how you can get your updated copy. Of course, other resources I mentioned today are linked there too. Take a moment and subscribe so that you can catch the next episode. And I greatly appreciate your kind reviews. Come back and join me next time when I share ideas on how we can control what happens between lessons. Until then, hang in there and see you in the trenches.